Hey there, welcome back to another edition of Close to the Vest. My name is Arthur Ettinger, and this is a really, really special uh, podcast for me uh, today. I have Donnie Sands uh, online today. Uh, Donnie Sands is a professional baseball player. He is a catcher for the New York Yankees. And as many of you know out there, uh, in addition to being a, an attorney, I'm also a Major League Baseball uh, contract advisor and certified MLB agent. Um, and we're going to pivot today uh, and talk with Donnie. There's a lot of things uh, that Donnie has to share. Donnie has an amazing story. Uh, Donnie was the uh, eighth round draft pick for the New York Yankees in the 2015 uh, amateur MLB draft. Donnie, uh, welcome. Uh, it is really an honor for you to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Excited to get so, going. So, Donnie, um, Donnie is, you know, Donnie's a client, but Donnie has become really. Uh, more like family than anything else uh, to me, uh, to my boys, and to my family. And Donnie has an amazing story. Uh, Donnie, I'd love to uh, just jump right in and talk about your background um, for the guests, um, for rather for the um, for the audience. Uh, you're you're originally you grew up in Arizona, but you have Mexican roots, and I just. I'd love to just go back and uh, for you to share your background uh, and, and to go through what what your background, how that has made you who you are today. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, like you said, I was I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, my mom is from Obregón, Sonora, Mexico, and then well, my dad was adopted in Germany. So completely two different sides. Um, but me personally growing up in Arizona, have to going back from Mexico with my mom. Um, but that's what it was for the most time. Uh, a lot of baseball, a lot of, uh, well, because half of my family is pretty, well, pretty much my whole family is in Mexico and in Tucson. I'm not super close to uh like i said my dad was adopted so super close to his real side of the family so it's mostly my mom's side um but from my grandparents close to that side of the family uh but yeah i mean tucson is where it all started where it all began and uh you know i was just going back and forth a lot so um Talk to me about, you know, this is a lot of what I talk about on the podcast is relationship driven. And uh, I definitely want to talk about uh, the baseball stuff. Um, you and I really, we bonded early on. Uh, I lost my dad. Uh, you lost your dad uh, at a very young age. Talk to me about uh, and share, if you don't mind, how losing your dad at such a young age impacted you at the time and uh, and where you are today in your uh, in your life? Yeah, I know that is definitely something we bonded over and kind of what made it special for me, you know, once you shared that with me. But yeah, I lost my dad on January 1st, 2012. So I was 15. Um, and it was it was a huge uh 
shock, you know, for the people. It wasn't uh, to me, me and my dad, that was my best friend. That was my uh, go-to guy for baseball. That was where all the training was being done pretty much. And it wasn't like uh, he was sick or anything. It was just randomly one day, you know, didn't wake up. And it, that, that was a big shock to me um, and for my whole family, for my mom. And we're very close-knit. And so once that happened, uh, we, we were in Tucson when my dad passed away in Tucson, but me and my mom were just coming back from Mexico over Christmas. We're there, and then it was like start of the new year for 2012, and your whole world's completely turned upside down. Horrible. Everything is completely changed. Uh, but then it's a, it's a really weird, weird feeling once all that stuff happens, especially at such a young age, and I think where so many people need, right, that father figure in their life at 15 years old, you know your boys kind of going at the same age and it, it, that's like a very pivotal moment for a man i think to need somebody like that in their life um but yeah I, I, after that it was kind of it's kind of weird the first the first day after my dad passed away i was talking to my mom and it was kind of the first thing i actually told her was like I, I need to get to a baseball field like i need to get to a baseball field and that just came out of me that's like what what i wanted to do it, it was uh is of course a lot of pain it's a it's a day old but for some for some reason uh, thank god that it wasn't like oh i don't want to do baseball anymore because me and my dad shared that uh it was like i need to get to a baseball field as fast as possible and people probably thought i was crazy but that's like where i wanted to be and that's that's kind of how it evolved um do you feel like baseball is like your outlet like everything shuts off um, and you don't necessarily have to deal with some of the life's tough challenges when you're, you know, you're in the zone on that diamond. Yeah, well, I was very fortunate. My dad shared the passion of baseball, like the true love. I, I, I can sincerely say I, I truly love baseball. Um, even it's my job now, but I truly love it. And once I was out there, it, I mean, to me, it's, it's a game, right? It, it really is. Like people say, it's a game. To me, it really is the love of the game, and I got to get away from stuff. It it didn't hurt me thinking of my dad going to the baseball field. It was it was uh, a nice thing to get away, and I got to change. So after my dad passed away, I got a lot of anxiety, right? At a super young age, and that like almost crumbled me to the point where I I couldn't see anybody. I I couldn't. That was a very real scary thing. I never never had gone through, and I don't think my mom had ever seen me go through. And it, it, you really feel like you're about to die, right? With anxiety, this type of anxiety wow. and panic attacks from my dad. And going to baseball, it kind of X'd all that stuff. It, it, it let me be my true self. It, it, I didn't, I wasn't judged or I wasn't the guy that just lost his dad or I wasn't the guy going through stuff. It was just me letting my God-given ability show, you know, on a field. And that's what allowed me, at least for those two, three, four hours to get away from stuff. And that was really nice for me, you know. Um, Let me ask you, um, and this is really, I really appreciate you sharing this because this is not easy stuff to talk about. Um, your dad, I, you know, I think it's important to kind of tell the audience, you and your dad shared the love of baseball. Your dad was a baseball player, wasn't he? He was. He was a baseball player, yeah. So he was, my dad took, the baseball side, but also my dad was special ops in the army. So he wow. took baseball side 
to drill sergeant side and created uh, a very intense, I would say, uh, like boot camp to me. Um, but it wasn't a force thing. And I'll tell you that you get a lot of these parents nowadays, right? That like drill it down their kid's throat to like play. But I have the personality, which I think you know that if I don't like something, I'll, I kind of like, I, I won't do it. And to me, it was a, it was a love. Like I was okay. I'm very okay with people getting after me. I, I, I to my benefit, let's say if you're not a little, aggressive in the way you talk to get me going it doesn't benefit me i, I don't like the people saying good job all the time and the people right. that doesn't that doesn't benefit me so me and my dad always we are two very you know i would say stubborn people what we like to do so we would go at it on on the baseball field and i think that's really what started me before knowing before passed away like that inner monster of of once you get out onto the field he was just very intense all the time. There wasn't a turning a switch off, but again, that's because, you know, of what he went through. And I think the military and all that stuff really did that, you know, you're in special ops, that's the best of the best. And so to me, what he gave to me was, you know, if you're going to be the best at something, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's making your bed or the on time part of it or everything, which is very intense. And he, he was very passionate about it. And thank God he passed that on to me. Do you think that, experience and the way your dad was with you created your, you know, you're super um, hard worker. You have an amazing work ethic. Um, I share that both with other clients and also with, you know, uh, my boys. Uh, and do you feel that, and I, I respect that immensely. Do you feel that um, the, that experience with your dad has shaped you with your competitive drive and work ethic? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, not with my dad and mom, right. I come from like, my mom is a very, also like a very just, um, old school Mexican, hardworking person. My dad was very old school, earn everything. Um, and it was just, I, again, it, it did. I didn't see it back then to me kind of back then you're a kid. Right. And you're like, I love baseball, but sometimes I want to go hang out with my friends and I want to go do kids stuff. But to him, it was like, I think he saw the bigger picture. He saw what was in me. And, and I think also very successful people, you look, you look at their parents and there was, there was not a, like a, a normal, right. It's, it's a very structured, very um, intense, how you go about your day. And again, from, the attention to detail my dad brought to me was everything. He, he always mentioned that to me. It's like the little things that really matter. And like to him, right, the attention to detail in his line of work, like you die if you don't have attention to detail, right? So he right. took that extreme to me is not, not as big of a thing, but it's super important. And especially when you're going on to levels and just going through challenges of life that that's what either makes you or breaks you. But yeah, my parents, I mean, I owe that everything. And they had a really strong bonded thing that produced me you know and uh let's talk about your mom for a second because your mom is a special woman and yeah, she cares about you immensely and you guys really have a really a special bond um how did it impact your mom when your dad passed away so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna share this because I, a lot of people don't know this but I think it's important. So my mom is a very strong person, bit like 
stronger than any, stronger than myself, stronger than anyone. When it comes to me, if anything happens to me, right, it's it's like a, a panic because I think she's a mom and she cares. And it's when when my dad, when we learned that my dad had passed away, I still remember this. Um, I knew, of course, it's going to crumble her, but the way she acted, she told me she received a phone call and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at my aunt's house and we're actually waiting for my dad to pick us up and I actually had a training and I, we we're going to go work out and we're waiting, waiting, waiting longer and longer. And my mom gets a phone call and randomly I'm kind of peeking in, looking at her on the phone and she just ends up with a very blank face. And that's not how my mom is, right? When, especially, but she was so shocked and kind of looked at me and just said, Don, your dad just died. Got back on the phone, sat down, blank face. And to me, that was very, that still like runs through my head. It's still, um, it was very uh, just strange, strange. That's probably the best word that she wouldn't you know completely lose her mind you know and that's how big of a to both of us because even when I heard it it was a very I it didn't I kind of I just stayed like finished watching tv and I just it didn't register in my head and to see her probably five minutes later completely just uh break down and it was uh yeah it's a very impactful thing it's a very terrible thing um but yeah it it, it hit her and then it was especially just me and her going through life, you know, and it hit her very hard. And still to this day, I know my mom's going to listen to this later, but uh, to see her uh, never show emotions, you know, or like never let, especially in front of me, she never, I, I could never tell like it was right hurting her. That was her job. Like, like how hard is uh, for, for your mom now, you know, like the job for basically to be, you know, your rock. And she had to share that responsibility with your dad. But now that he was gone, it was all on her shoulders. Uh, super tough. And also financially to have to be the sole breadwinner, um, you know, and, you know, an, another way, like what a, an example for you to have to like, you know, there's a very, uh, there's so many crossovers with sports and this kind of experience, you know, like game on the line, something happens, you know, you're dealing with some personal things uh, off the field, but you know, you've got a playoff game, you've got a baseball game to tend to, and you got to, you know, push that down for the sake of getting through the game. And that's what your mom was doing. So she could raise you the best way she could. And can you speak to, I know you've told me a lot of these stories, but can you speak to like what she did, you know, for you and for the family uh, to just, you know, her pivoting to make it work? Yeah. So all this, yeah, exactly. And, and that's like the harsh reality of it. It's kind of messed up, right? You, you, you all this stuff happens. So you do have to focus. And so again, kudos to my mom that she's amazing. And I never saw anything you know the the pain the only pain i ever saw out of my mom right she was dealing with her son that got diagnosed with the worst panic attack anxiety disorder because of how i, I heard that my dad passed away then she's dealing with us having absolutely zero money um she's dealing with that she's dealing with um i remember just tears tears a lot of tears of her not 
her being so frustrated, right, from a mom standpoint to not even being able to buy milk or like not even being able to buy it. And like, to me, it's just like, oh, you know what? Can we'll you repeat that? Oh, you just, it got cut off just because of the. Uh, oh, no, no the, worries. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like I said, from from a standpoint of her saying, you know, seeing so much pain from me, seeing that I'm dealing with all my anxiety, dealing with me losing my mind, dealing with me going through the worst time ever, you know, um, because also quick thing after my dad had passed away, like almost everyone passed away. My other best friend, my grandpa died. Then my grandma died. Then my mom's dad passed away. Then my mom's mom passed. So there was so much death in such short time. It was like a year and a half. That was like everyone just, it seemed to me like I was just like wiped out, you know? And it was, it was so weird and so awful, but then, yeah. So she's dealing with that. She's dealing with still trying to get me to baseball. She's dealing with me chasing my dream then us having complete zero money trying to find a place for us to live um you know dealing with the like i said the the pain i thought of her was not even being able to like buy us milk like and soaked in tears and just in pain and and to me you see back then you're like you know like it's crazy right you're like you're like no like we don't we don't need it like it'll Um, be okay um and that was, she could just, I, I could tell she was just very frustrated, you know? And so, and didn't there come a time when she ended up having to go back down to Mexico to, to yeah. support you? So, yeah, my mom was always on the go, right? My mom was just always, always trying to make ends meet and whatever work she could. So if it was going down to Mexico and working in that line, and again, people see this as, as a, a um, people always going to see it uh, a way they want to see it, but you know, she has to go. I'm kind of left on my own. And, but it's, it's for the greater good of things, right? We're, we're in a position where we are stuck. We're in a position where it was either make it or break it uh, for me. And so she has to go. And then I remember that's a time where I, I start, I'm what, 16 years old. And it was a world of a, like nobody to me in my head. It's like, you're alone. You're 16 years old and I'm staying in my car. And Oh my God, just thinking back, uh, my car is like a disaster, right? Like I have clothes. There was, I was so mentally, and I'm sharing this, but so mentally messed up. There's throw up in my, there's throw up in my car. I'm having pit, like it's such a messed up time. So many tears and you're just alone. Right. And, and and it's, and you're not knowing what's next. You're not knowing. So let me understand this. Like, so you're you're homeless you're living in your car yeah and you're going to school so you're 16 you're a junior in high school right the hardest year uh in high school you're gonna you know and you have just lost your dad and now your mom has to make this extremely challenging sacrifice to you know, the agony that she must have experienced. Oh my God, I now have to leave my son behind. Um, and, you know, you, my only child to go make ends meet. And she left and she went where she knew she could go, you know, you know, make some money. And she went down to Mexico. And now you're, now but the two of you are dealing with monumental you know, trauma and tragedy and, and still having to get up in the morning and deal with it. Um, 
Yeah. How, how did you like, you know, how did you put your pants on? Like, like, what did you do? Like you were living in the car. Like, what did you do about getting yourself clean and getting food and getting to school on time? Like, how did you focus? Uh, it just, it's, it, it, it's really astounding to me. So this is, this is the crazy part, right? So all this stuff is going on and, um, exactly. You're, you're, I think people start figuring out at least close, close friends. Um, right. Or, or, or people start seeing, you know, and it was, it was, it sucked, right? You're always like the smelly one. It's like, not, this isn't meant to be funny. But like, yeah, I know it's funny, but you don't have anything clean, right? You're, you're in, so I'm showing up to practice, especially these times I don't have any baseball stuff. It's that funny. So I, I, I think I played for an organization and this is still kind of joke. Like the first practice I show up like purple soccer cleats and I show up with purple soccer cleats and like, that's all we have. And um, you go with it, but yeah, yeah, you're, so how this ended up being is I'm going through all this stuff. I'm showing up places and people are giving me, let's say friends, like then you like five bucks for gas money. You're like, and then eventually I run out of gas on the side of the freeway one day. Uh, and I'm stuck and I'm 60 years old and a coach ends up be dry, like ends up, he's driving by and sees me on, on this road. No one had a clue what was going on. And they see me and they see my car and completely right away. It's a shock. And it's like, what, what's going on, man? Like what? And that's like a breakdown of tears. And this coach allowed me uh, to live on his couch. His name was Eric Sable. And he brought me in and lived on his couch for a week. And after a week, I told him, you know, hey, everything's good. Everything's back to good. My mom's coming back. Perfect. I left. But that wasn't true. I just, I, I want it. And I left again, you know, and he would make me food. And I left and I was back again on the streets it, it was a really weird uh, time man and to get back and to the throw point, in, and then you'd hit bombs and throw a no hitter on the baseball field so that's the thing i i uh, getting back to the school part i didn't go to school a lot to be honest i i wasn't going to school on people started recognizing that like there's very special people that i i think a lot especially i was at the school at south point catholic high school in tucson uh, I'm going to mention this name. There was a counselor, a Mexican lady named Senora Gomez that I think knew what was going on and she's an angel, but she also knew the circumstance of what was on the line for me. I think she knew that baseball, I, I, and now I, it sounds so dumb, but it was the reality of it. I remember I wasn't, you know, the good grades weren't going on. Everything wasn't going on. And I would tell the teachers like, I'm here to play baseball. I'm not here to go to school. I'm here to play baseball. And like, to me, that was a very real thing to, cause to me, that was the out, that was the out for me and my mom. And I believed it so bad, you know? And, um, would you do that differently? Uh, looking back now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't because I think, and I, and I don't think I know that everyone has their own story, right? Everyone has their own, the way they make it. Everyone has their own circumstances that it might not be right. It might not be the ethical way, but stuff happens in life. And you, and you gotta be able to, what, what if, if you have something that really means something, which to me was baseball and told my mom, since I was, I think uh, 10 years old, I was gonna be a professional baseball player. 
And then I also told my mom the last time I was a junior in high school before she left to Mexico that in two years, I was going to buy her a house when I signed professionally. Awesome. So to me, that, that was the main goal. To me, I didn't see, again, this is probably sound crazy that the school was going to make me the money. I saw signing a professional contract and baseball was going to make me money. And that's what I dedicated my thousand percent time to uh, just all the time. That's what I would be doing. I'd be calling coaches and say, hey, crying to them, hey, we need to work out or we need to practice. And it was just full time. The coaches understood. The coaches, a lot of people like, you know, Vic Acuna was like a huge guy that really, really, really took time out of his day and helped me out. And you got your mom house. Yeah, thank God. We, I, I signed in. And the first thing, so this is another thing. Uh, when my mom came back, she was always renting houses. We, so we got evicted three times. She would rent houses and then not being able to pay them, put the money, and then we were getting kicked out. So the third time, I remember we're renting in a house. And this is uh, the beauty in all this. She calls me. I'm already in professional baseball. She calls me crying and says, hey, I just got kicked out of the house and everything was out. And so I'm in Tampa, Florida. And like the help was just like, okay, like when I get back, I'll have some money and we'll be able to put this stuff together. But it's kind of funny, already being a professional, my mom gets kicked out of the third house. Thank God I come back. And then kind of go around and say, mom, this, this is the money I have. And like all the money is going to go to her. I don't, I don't need any of it. I don't want any of it and pick the house you want. And that was like the most beautiful day ever that they gave us those keys uh, and it was done. And it was a lot of tears and it, awesome. was, a, it was a big thing. It's awesome, man. It's, you should, you have a lot to be proud for that. And I'll, we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about like, what that meant to you when you got drafted. But so talk a lot of people in baseball and the Yankee organization know this story. They did a piece on you a few years back. Um, and they, you know, it came up when you did get drafted. I'd love for you to share the whole training with your mom. It's, you know, it's a special story about your bond. It's a special story about your culture. Um, and I think it's a lesson for a lot of kids out there who, whether it's no matter what their passion is, whether it's baseball, some sports, athletics, uh, you know, uh, musical instrument, you, you figure out how to make it happen. And so can you tell the, uh, the bean story? Yeah. So to us, we didn't have baseballs. So this wasn't actually like a gimmick, like, Hey, let's work on hand-eye okay. coordination. Like, no, this is what we had. Um, and so my mom, every every time we would practice, we would grab a broom, some baseballs, and it was just me and my mom outside, and she would set this thing up for five minutes. And if I missed one bean in five minutes, we would restart. And to her and to me, like, right, it's like kind of a laughing me, but she, she was so serious about it and so serious about this being super important to me. And she would get very upset if I didn't hit well in a game like it, you know you, you're like yeah. no it's okay and she would always tell me I'm gonna show you how to hit that's what right. she told me I'm gonna teach you how to hit so just going back to Mexico and going back to like literally like we would do this back then and not having anything but just making it work and and it was a very serious thing and we were doing it every day and I think the biggest one was the night before I got drafted I'm losing my mind and I don't know what's gonna happen I started having this huge panic attack and it's like 1.30 in the morning. 
and me and my mom go outside and start hitting these beans and uh it, it like comes full circle to like that's what calmed me down and like i gotta do something you know but it, it's very important you, you work it. you work with what you have you know that's i love because i know like you were in the you know arizona fall league a year and a half ago um and i remember you went back home and you know i think it just came up on your mom's like memory recently where you guys were sitting in the in the driveway doing that and it's really just that story has always you know hit me and i just i love it what do you, you know there are a lot of kids you know in like travel baseball little league you hear oh i struck out or i didn't get that double or home run because it's the bat I'm using. You know, they switch now. What do you say to what do you say to that kid? I I just I don't know. I I don't know. I, I would probably just you know just keep working hard. I mean, to me, I I don't want to put in on that because yeah. thank God you know they have they have they have some money and they're able to. I, not cool to be poor i'll say that it wasn't like i, I was you know wishing to be poor and like oh i i wasn't it, <laughs> it wasn't cool having purple soccer cleats and everyone <laughs> laughing at you and like not having the nicest glove i wish i could add that stuff a lot but if you really like something you make it work that's in anything um it, it really isn't hone your tools focus on your your stuff and you know don't make excuses that's the biggest thing right Ex excuse excuse driven stuff is the lead to failure and uh I, like i said i'm very glad that day this is now kind of a blessing to me and when my dad passed away it's not a loss i was able to enjoy 15 years with my dad i'm like blessed to have those 15 years and uh i could have turned two ways there like my dad passed away. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to feel sorry for myself or, uh, you know, it's, it's go time and use it for fire. And it's at my dad's funeral. One thing that really hit me, one of his, uh, special ops buddies were there and he started to cry strictly after he started to cry, he wiped his tears and apologized to me and said, you know, your dad would have thought that was very disrespectful to cry at his funeral. Wow. And, and so to me, it's just like, man, it, it, it's just a very intense thing, but that's how I was raised. And that's why I think, as you know, me, I go full speed, a thousand percent at everything. And I, I really don't have an off switch and that's just you, how I made myself. I want to, so let's talk about that a little bit. Like, how do you, there's certainly a lot of positives to that, you know, especially in the profession that you're in um positives and negatives yeah so talk to me uh we obviously know what the positives are talk, talk to me about the negatives and how that may have impacted uh you in any way yeah so for me the off switch right i i i when you come from a circumstance that i was a very I'm going to get into it. I was a very fearful little kid, like very scared, insecure kid. Cause what happened? So you have to create this monster to survive. Like on and I say this very honestly, when you see your mom going through all this, you create this, this person or this type of being that allows you to, if I'm not like this, I'm going to get destroyed by everybody. And like, I can't let that happen because me and my mom's life are on the line and I need to make something on myself. So this off switch, the switch, how, why I'm, again, 
after a full season of baseball, I think I take five days off. And I go wow. right back to six, seven hours a day. And the people that know me knows that's what I do. And people always talk about, you know, hey, you need off time or hey, you need to this or the body needs rest. And not sounding corny to me, that just that's not good enough for me. And it eats at me. And because what I've been able to accomplish and like someone in my position shouldn't be here. They really should not be here. They, you, you come from like you, when I, when I moved to Arizona, I wasn't, I was a nobody. You don't have the wealthy family putting you on these travel ball teams. You're not, you have to make a name for yourself. You're no one in a new place. And, and so to me, it's just full go all the time. I got cut in high school, you say from the USA baseball team. And I think I broke the record for the hits in that tournament. And again, they picked a kid to me that was very wealthy, rich, and I was, it just would eat at me. And then I get cut from area code. And I still remember the scout calling me saying, you know, you're, you're not the not the best guy for the job and this and that. And later that scout called me after I got drafted and saying congratulations. And, and so stuff for me really was about. That's awesome. You know not being being good or not having the backing so it's I have to work and my mom is very even if I'm asleep at eight o'clock she's calling me waking me up saying why aren't you running yet why aren't you and to me it's just like you're chasing something that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to chase not because of you know do you um, feel that your success feels sweeter because of those challenges and you know not you know it, it hasn't come easy for you. No, it hasn't. But my success comes sweet because I, it's like me against me. It's not about the people that help me. It's, it's about creating the best Donnie Sands Donnie Sands can be. And I believe the human body and the human soul and, and spirit can achieve such immense things. If, if you really, re- people say, you know, I want to make this or exit this or a million dollar this and this. But then they're waking up at eleven o'clock, and they're and they're not they're they're not doing things. So it, that always made sense to me. It's like, okay, I want to achieve these immense things and put my mom in the best thing ever. And it was never about oh, I got cut, or it was just about me pushing myself as hard as possible and already going through changes in life and just saying it's just life. People always say, well, that's terrible. A lot of people go through a lot of bad things. A lot of and it's just it's just life, you know. Life, life. You can be, you can have the most successful thing the next day, and it's over. So mm-hmm. it's just life. But going back to the off switch, yeah, it's helped me a lot. It really has helped me professionally. Um, and then on the other side, probably my little bro Brian. You know him. He'll tell you, hey, sometimes you need to relax. Or like, I'm just I'm a very intense person, and I'm a um. like. he'll be he'll be napping and like i get upset at him for napping you know and he's like dude i'm not a pro athlete like leave me alone (laughs) you know so it's like i i'm working on that you know to give me i think the mind does need to shut down sometimes but that's really interesting so let's talk if we can talk about that like about how your your intensity affects your relationships um it really it really does It, it it really um so the key group I have around me are very special people to be able to deal with who I am. So with, with me, it comes, I say this in a way of selfishness because selfishness of, I need to achieve what I need to achieve but for the people around me. So the selfishness of like, I don't want to do certain things or take time off or go to trips or do this. 
because I have one shot at this and the time's ticking and I need to invest a thousand percent into this, but it is coming. So my whole circle around me, really, it's like, I, I can take care of them, you know? And, uh, it, it does affect people. I, I me and my mom are get, very, do you get sorry. pushback? Like, you know, um, do you get pushback by those, you know, the people around you who, you know, very often people, as much as they, they say they get it and appreciate it, it's hard unless you're in that situation to fully comprehend, you know, the nature of what you're trying to achieve and what the sacrifices you need to make. Yeah. I've, I don't have a lot of friends. I'll tell you this. I don't have a lot of friends. I, I can, my brother, Brian, my buddy, John Merrick's already your family to me. Uh, people, Vic back home, two other people I'll mention, we'll talk about later, but Hector Rabago and Josh Paul, um, my trainers, the, the people that are around me, Mario, it's just, and it's, it's difficult. It's, it's very difficult because I, I, as me and you talk a lot, I want people to push me or I want to push people as much as they push me, you know, and I don't like having laziness around me or I don't like having people that let's just say aren't on the level that like, and not, and that's okay though. Right. That's okay. Because people sometimes like, yo, I don't want to be the best ever at something or I don't want, I'm, I'm okay. And like, to me, it's just me and my little bro talk about this all the time. He gets it for me. He talks about it all the time for me, bro. Push to be the best catcher of all time. Push to be the best, the beast, the best. I don't know what happened. Sorry, uh, I got a call, but I, I push him too. It's like, you know, I'm not saying you have to, you have to be the best catcher of all time, but I want him to be the best, whatever he's going to be at all time. And that's just what my dad installed in me. And, and, and we really go at it and it's a really intense thing. Again, I'm a very intense person that, and, and to me, it all comes sadly with death, all the right. loss I have. And it's like, Dude, one day we could be here and the next day we can't. Yeah. Why time is so limited and our time is so precious. Why are you putting out like, why are we sleep at three or four o'clock in the afternoon? What? This is valuable time. Like this Hi. is very valuable time. And um, that's where it gets hurt. And people sometimes it's like, yo, it's, it's tough to be around you. But the people that, you know, truly love and know what, what I'm going for, I, I think it's, they know. They, they yeah. you know me and everyone knows, it, it, you know, I, it's tough to, it's tough to say, you know, it's tough to talk about that. that you, the like, you know, those people, the people around you are going to support your, uh, your ethics and your decision. And as you get older, you'll learn, you know, it's, uh, you don't need to have a lot of friends. Okay. Uh, you have that core you group. You don't need yes man. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about um, let's talk about when you got drafted. You know, at the time you were committed to you had a full scholarship to play baseball in college, and and then you ended up you got drafted uh, by the Yankees. Um, there were other teams that yes. were interested, weren't there? Yes, there were. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked out for a lot of teams. I, I calls for a lot of teams, but um, 
they, they I played on the Yankee scout team, so they they were always very, very it seemed very interested. I remember being down in Tampa uh, at Steinbrenner Field watching you take BP, and uh, you were crushing the ball against these guys who were much older than you. And um, so, talk to me about what it felt like uh, when you you got that phone call. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, I do remember. Yeah. I mean, hop, hopping on a plane to Tampa, Florida for the first time ever. I remember again there and the first time I met you and well, I walk on, walk into the stadium kind of with my mouth open, you know, I, it's the Yankees. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you need to close your mouth. You're here for like a job, <laughs> you know, you're not here on a tour. And, uh, I remember seeing these monsters. I'm like this six two, like 175 pound kid and it's humid. And it's so my clothes are soaked to me and I look like a stick. These guys are college monsters and they start dropping these bombs out of the field. And I can, I'm like hitting these little line drives out of the infield. And it, yeah. it, uh, I, I go to this workout. And, and the funny thing is, I, I remember I, I killed the workout, the best possible thing that could have happened. I, I really killed the workout. And I remember Chris Pastorell, who's our um, mental conditioning coach, brings me off the side. And I think I was the only person he brought off the side and then he takes me across the complex. And he asked me, I still remember, we still talk about this, that, you know, you're a high school kid, you go for four. Um, how, how is that gonna defeat you? Like how we gotta, and I'm like, like six months ago, I was living in my car. Like, awesome. you know, this is just give me a contract and let me come play for you guys and the rest will work itself out. And that's the that's the least of my worries, you know. And I, to him, it was like, okay, like uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll talk next week. And but yeah, uh, the call. I'm sitting at home, and it's a very nervous day. Uh, and so I remember, so that in Tucson, the news like did this day in the life thing of Donnie's drafted. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, what if I don't get drafted? Like how embarrassing would that be? Like all these people are doing this thing if I don't get drafted. Like, um, and then <laughs> the Yankees call me. In the sixth round, they call me and they said, hey, we'll call you before you get drafted. Okay. Before the next round. So the seventh round pick comes. They take the seventh round pick and I'm just waiting for this phone call and nothing is ha happening. No phone call. And we're me and my buddy John were by uh, the laptop and we're just listening and no phone call. And then all of a sudden it says, you know, ID number, whatever. And then Sam's Donnie. And I just, I think you've seen the video. Ike. It's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, you can't explain it. It's something that you work literally your whole life for tears, hard stuff, like hardships, living in your car, your like everything to one second, your whole life completely changing. And that's the beauty of life. And that's why it's like, though, it was, it's unexplainable. I wish everyone can feel that. And it was to this day, that'll probably be the best, you know, day for me. It was incredible. Awesome. You don't believe it. You really don't believe it. It's like, I just got drafted by the New York Yankees. Amazing. Awesome. Six years later, I still, uh, I, you know, it gets goosebumps when you tell the story and, uh, um, so then, you know, I had been kind of advising you on the side and, and then like you had mentioned a little bit before you're like, give me a contract. So you don't have to, for those, for the listeners out there, you know, the drafts in June, you don't have to, 
you don't have to report for quite some time. So, um, and each position gets slotted for different, you know, um, salary and uh, signing bonuses. So um, you left a lot of money on the table. Can you just, you know, talk about what was going in your mind and through your mind at the time and why you did that and what your outlook is as we sit here today a few years later? Yeah, so for everyone know, uh, I love Artie. <laughs> for this story, he's probably had to put up with a lot of stuff, but it's it's, it's all good. Um, I remember so going to well, actually after I get signed, I go to my mom's work. I, I give my mom the news, and she loses her mind, right? And then right away, people are asking, "Hey, you gonna go to college?" And I'm like, "No, I'm going for like college wasn't even on my mind. Right? I never so you know, I'm going uh, professional. I don't even know what that means at the point. I don't even know. It's just like give me the line." So whatever, the next day, I think me and you were talking, you're like, hey, so let's talk. And I'm like, no, I'm hopping on a plane to Tampa, Florida, uh, like right now. And it's like the next very next day at seven o'clock in the morning where I think usual kids away and wait and negotiate this and negotiate. So I hop on a plane and you're like, bro, like, what, what's going on? And me and Artie are just starting to get to like know each other, you know, and starting to Artie knows about the business. But for me, it was more of uh my life you know i've worked i don't care I, i've worked so hard for this and it's like i've never seen honestly at this point i never seen 500 cash right. i never seen that so right um so I, I get down there and i remember me and you get on the phone and you're like oh uh, so uh, well the slot was uh i'll tell you it was like one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, something like that and uh I tell you, hey, I'm going to sign for $100,000. And to me, it's like, oh, I can retire next year with this money. Like that. No, you I'm actually done. called me. You had already signed the document. Oh, oh exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, so you weren't even part of like, so like, like, hey, by the way. Me. Yeah, it's like when my sister calls me to ask me to help her negotiate the lease that she's already signed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I call you and I say, hey, Artie, you know, I'm all excited. I just signed for $100,000. And to me, again, it's kind of funny to think about. It's like, dude, I don't, I don't need to work ever again. It's like, right. this, this is so much money to me. And uh, you're like, bro, that's $75,000 less than you're supposed to sign to. But this is really coming from the genuineness in me. That, and I think this is what has led me to who I am today and led me to as far as I've gone. The money was, of course, an option. But I saw this money as... Uh, I've never had this amount of money in my life, nor has my mom. And this is all for her. Like, I'm going to give her everything and the money will work itself out. So, yeah, it, it was about, you know, uh, I, I always told people, you know, seriously, and, and Jay, I know you probably want to let me, but it was like, give me a thousand dollars and I'll sign. Like, yeah, I, I want any amount of money and I want to, I'm going to show it. I'll make my money in the big leagues, you know, and I, I really, that was my dream to play professional baseball. And I think that when that happens, when that's your sole purpose and you're not chasing money, of course I had to get money for my mom and this and that, but you're chasing the love of it. And I, and I think the money comes along late. Like the money always, like you, you get good at something and you show people what you're worth. The money comes along, right? I was an eighth round draft pick that oh, was cool. a nobody. You, you know, this. we were a nobody, we were a nobody going into this. And then, you know, my first year, 
tear it up and hit over 300. I'm an all-star. And all of a sudden you're like, who is this guy? Everyone, the Yankees like, who is this guy? And to my point, but uh, to, to, to the point, it was, it was, it was about playing. It was about, I'm wearing a New York Yankees Jersey. Like I was homeless a year ago. Like it, people look at me crazy and they say, you left so much money on the table. And it's like, yeah, I, don't, I can't even, fa- I can't even fathom that to me. You know, it, it was like, so, my life was so good. And I was playing baseball and I always told, I remember begging this scout, like, yo, I'm not the fastest kid. I really not. And I remember saying this text, I'm not, but I promise you, I will like give you guys everything I have. Like, just take awesome. a chance on me, please. Um, and cause this is beyond me and I'll, I'll the rest will work itself out. I promise because I won't let myself fail. Uh, yeah. you know and so that that's that was the backing of it and that's why i think you chase the greatness you chase the true love of it money comes with all that if, if you're chasing like the dollar sign of it that's you see a lot of first round guys that sign for three million dollars don't get out of rookie ball you know because yeah, there's an listen, ego attached love, to that there's a yeah. what a great lesson that is you know to so many in so many different walks of life you know uh not just sports you know just be patient uh, in due time you know uh, i'm glad six years later we're able to laugh at that experience you know it was a different uh yeah, certainly yeah thank god it wasn't a, a year <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and i think it makes it oh, makes you but... who you are today you know and um i don't think your attitude has changed uh one bit about it you know then there's been a lot of obstacles in your way um let's um let's talk about that you know like baseball is literally a game of rejection and i say this to my boys and we talk about this and it's certainly frustrating you know with the pandemic uh but even without the pandemic uh if you are successful one third of the time uh, at the plate, you're in the Hall of Fame, you know? So talk to me how, you know, um, this is a big year for you and you grind, you, you're, you've had some, you had some struggles, you know, physically with your, you've had some big injuries. I remember you, you were supposed to be catching a big league, you know, exhibition game in Atlanta against the Braves. And then the day before you're supposed to get on the plane, you, you know, you broke your, uh, you broke your hand, you know, and and you, you, you kept playing that game, you know, which is, uh, which is crazy in and of itself. And you had, you know, a concussion over the years. And then, um, so these setbacks, which is a, it's, it's part of, part of life when you're a, a baseball player, um just share with us what it's like you know whenever you think you're taking you know three steps forward you're taking two steps back um or one step what have you how has that impacted you and how have you uh been able to deal with it yeah i mean so you never you never think bad stuff's going to happen. Or like my first year, like it was a smooth, super clean year. And then all, all this stuff starts happening. And uh, yeah, I, I remember 
breaking yeah so i break my arm and i had worked so hard this off season that off season i'd stayed in tampa and trained nonstop. didn't go home for christmas see my family i had really sacrificed you know with josh paul who we'll get to later but uh and we really focused and three i think it was three or four days before spring training was breaking and i was tearing it up in spring training i get hit by a bat and yeah, i snap my my forearm and then, yeah, so <laughs> the instilled part of, like, I remember Josh Ball had this thing, who was our catching cornerback then. The first line in his catching handbook was like, in other words, it just said, no complaining. Um, wow. What's well, no bitching? But really? we'll say it said no complaining. Um, and I, I snapped my arm. And right away, again, from my dad, from everything, just going back, and it was like, no stand again. Like, get the ball back. Let's go speed up the game. And my arm, I remember, I, it hurt a lot. It was really hurt. But then I, there was a fastball coming to the inside, and I turned my glove over, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. So I finished out the end. There's still, like, three hitters or two hitters that I had to go through. Wow. I took another foul ball, two off, like, the face, I think, like, three pitches later. And then I come out of the game and grab the bat, and the bat just slides right through my hand. And yeah. then straight to the ER, they just, your arm's broken in two spots. And, like, it's just frustration again. And you keep having all these things going through. You have concussions and you get back and you're on fire concussion. And then you get back. And then I think I got hit with a pitch later in that season, exactly in the same spot that I got my arm broken. Right. And I think if you look at that year, it's like Donnie Sands added to the, to the DL, Donnie Sands, Donnie Sands, DL, 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 come back, DL, DL. So, and again, you look at it as, again, calling my mom. I remember calling my mom after one of the last times and I'm crying in the locker room. And I'm just kind of Sharon. I'm by myself. And there was no sympathy whatsoever from my mom. And I'm very happy she did this. There was zero sympathy. And she said, well, okay, look, then tell the Yankees to fly you home right now. And, or what are we going to do? Like, this is just something like, let your stuff make it better. And again, to me, thanks to my mom, thanks to the hard woman she is, it was like, like, yo, get your, like, let's get going. It stuff happens and, and, and you'll get back and you, and you'll be just as fine. So you, so you go through all this stuff and it's just, it's just part of it. It's just part, I don't know why things happen like that, but it's just part of the journey. It's part, I always think this, I think right before you get really good at something, or I think right before something big happens for you it's going to get really hard, like extremely hard. Like something's going to have that makes it really hard right before you just hit the next level. And there was never, again, I'm very blessed to have, there was never people around me that were like, Oh no, Donnie, like, Oh, I can't believe you broke your arm. It on the contrary is like, are you complaining? Like I remember Josh would always tell me like, you could, bro, you live like, it's always like you lived in your car two years ago. What are you complaining about? Like go to go get your stuff ready and we'll, and we'll be we'll get back even stronger. Like you work harder than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. Like you get ready. And so it's kind of, I don't I don't have people around me that let me fail. I I think that's a, it comes to the point you have you need to have a very supportive strong structure around you that doesn't let you put your head down because naturally as humans like we want to put our head down and feel sorry for ourselves and we don't have time for that. It, it just you got to go yeah. and we I saw a jersey on me I saw a Yankee jersey and and there's still opportunities out there so. Sure. So let's talk. I want to table that for a second. So you got drafted. Um, 
as a third baseman. And, and now you're a catcher. Yes. That's a big move for, you know, for those listening who maybe are not uh, baseball fans, you know, the catcher is literally, you know, the leader on the field. And I think that says a lot about who you are. Um, So talk to me what that was like when, um, because most big leaguers, when they're, before they get drafted, they've pretty much, you know, they've played a lot of different positions in little league and college ball. Um, Talk to me, you know, if you can tell, share the story, uh, cause it's a pretty cool story, uh, especially for people who know baseball and know the players that were involved. Um, what happened and, you know, what you, what your feelings were when it, when it happened. Yeah. So it was a, it was a confusing thing to me because right. My first year I'm an, all-star third baseman that tears it up and you think you're like oh okay like i'm tearing it up at third base and then i get invited to a scene called captain's camp which was like their top prospects and like so i go to third base and i'm doing it and i think after like the second workout or something like that i get called into the front office and i'm on i'm like i don't think i did anything wrong but i i don't know what this is about to be and the front office is in there and Josh Paul's in there. And so I didn't know who Josh Paul was at the time. And so I walk in there and they say, Hey, Donnie, how are you doing? And this and that, and I'm doing good. And we want to make you a catcher. Wasn't um, there's uh, somebody else in the, uh, in the room. Wasn't Jorge in the room. So right after this, see, yeah. So right after this, Jorge Posada was there right, right after. So right after we, we went and talked on the field. But so Jorge Posada, as the baseball fans know, wasn't he was a shortstop, and I think like right. his junior college team needed a catcher, and it was like, hey, I'll I'll be the catcher, like whatever, like we're crazy, yeah. like yeah, okay. And so, uh, um, yeah, exactly. So, um, but at the time, yeah, our farm director Gary Dembo and uh, they're they're in there, and it's like, hey, we want to make you a catcher. And for some reason, <laughs> he's like, hey, take some time this, this, and that, take, take time, call your agent and talk to your family. And I was just like, I'll be a catcher. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll catch. Yeah. I think our conversation on that and, was uh, less than uh, the first conversation. We probably just another... I'm glad we were able to uh, have that uh, so, you know, conversation where we could really uh, hammer that through. So I'm, I'm getting better about communicating, but uh, I, I was like, yeah. And they're, they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. And they're like, no, it's going to be really hard. You know, like this, this, like take time. Like you really want to, and I was like, no, like, yeah, I'll catch. Like, cool. Like, so what, what do we, like, what do we do now? And then, so they give me, and then, so we go outside. I, the Jorge Posada was like, uh, so it was like, dude, you don't know how your life's about, you know, like your life's about to change and like this and that, like it's, this probably really fresh, like confusing for you. And, this and that, but I looked at it the same way and, you know, look at his career now, but that happens. And so now this is going into, uh, what was it? 2016, right? This is going into that yeah. spring training leading up. And when I go into the back, I follow Josh Paul to the back. He gets me gear. And now walking through the Yankees clubhouse, it's like, everyone's laughing. 
like you're like walking through and I like walk onto the field and there's this thing called the dojo where like the catchers, it was just right between two fields and that's where the catchers worked out. I didn't even, I didn't even see it my first year. I didn't even know this thing was real. And like I walk in there and it's all this like craziness and I put on my shin guards and everything like so just does not look right, does not feel right. And professional baseball hard enough, and I, I, I run into the field, we're playing catch, and everyone's like, is this a joke? Like, why do you have catching gear on? I'm, they're, like, laughing at me. I remember it was like, why do you have catching gear on? I'm like, I have no clue. Like, I don't know what I just did, honestly, but, like, we're going to roll with it. And uh, we start playing catch, and that whole year, so I was ready to go to Charleston, right? Because I got called up the last year, and all my friends and all the PB bomb like, like, yeah, you're going to Charleston. And it turns out to be, like, no, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay here and you're going to go through spring training without playing a game. The whole spring training, I didn't play one game. And you're going to learn how to catch and you're going to catch off the machine and then you're going to go to extended spring training and just get your butt kicked every day in the worst sun and just learn how to catch and catch all these guys throwing really hard, wild all over the place. And then after that, you're going to go back to rookie ball. And so it's like this huge, like, setback in my head right it's like the biggest setback because like I already is like an entitled like I already did this like I dominated it you know the first year like I don't, why am I going back to rookie ball and I remember all I didn't know what till this day I'm still working on but how catching is a very long process and uh I had to understand you know big picture not like right now not who cares about Charleston like big picture how this is going to benefit my career and it was, you know, we went to a lot of, I remember finally, excuse me, getting to the point where, okay, I'm, I'm learning to catch. I'm learning to catch. I'm like feeling all right about it. And then like second game in extended spring training, I get like one of the worst concussions the Yankees like I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I get hit and mm-hmm. I get cracked and they hit me like right in the jaw, like broke the face mask and I was out. I remember, and I like, I had to almost like relearn how to walk. I remember, like, the trainers, like, I'm, like, on the warning track and we're walking. I couldn't even, like, barely walk. And now this is, like, a two-month thing or a month thing, and it's awful. And it's, like, what did I just do? Why do I have this catching gear on? This could be so easy for me. Like, this or this could, like, I could be just taking ground balls and worrying about hitting. And I, yeah. it's, and then, yeah, it was just a long process. And again, another, like, you're back there and you're alone and you're away from your family and it's awful. It's terrible. That's a, like, Louie, I'm describing these words. It was not fun. Catching bait, professional baseball is enough. Then you get put on the hardest position on the planet and in professional baseball. It's not like I started in high school or college. It's like you're getting thrown. You're just getting thrown in. And uh, so, and having, again, it was and, just another test. And and talk to me because, you know, the their numbers are consistently, you know, you lead the minor leagues in – receiving and defensively um and what are your now looking back you know uh there's been quite some time in the rear of your mirror uh what are your thoughts any regrets uh so i i have to again i have to say this for i have to mention these two people because i know they're gonna hate me but josh paul who was our catching coordinator and hector that these two people the reason I am who I am and the reason that people believed in me probably when a lot of people laughed and a lot of people probably that were like giving Josh Paul stuff like, yo, what are you doing? This is never going to work. And these I owe, I would say, my career to these two people. Um, 
Bago, who was Hector Bago, was a catching coach for us. Um, and then Josh Paul was a catching coordinator. And they really believed in me. And they, in, they instilled, like, making me feel, honestly, like I was going to be the best catcher ever. And they really made me believe, like, don't worry about anybody, what they say, and just worry about yourself. Like, worry, it doesn't matter who's in front of you, what. And thanks to Josh Paul, who dedicated his whole offseason that he could have been with his family. And his baseball is a long season. He dedicated every single day driving me to the complex. And uh, a lot of time spent at his house and just instilling. He's a, he's the Phil Jackson of baseball. I know he's probably going to laugh when he hears that. He's the Zen master. And, like, seeing, like, the spirituality of baseball and, like, how baseball really works and how the catching position really works. And it's like this masterpiece he can create. And so he starts me like from zero. And then Hector Abago, who learned under Josh Paul, another dude who's just, and there's very many other people uh, to people. I'm not a lot of people I have to think catching wise, but these two people were very special to me as like family and same thing. Hector was an older brother to me. He's like 31 years old. So not much he taught for the Yankees and learning like, same thing, he's Mexican guy, just like me. And there's a connection, like a hard work and like very studying the game and uh, just never letting me fail. That That's the, the key thing and just like pushing. So they spend all this time with me and, uh, you know, investing time in me where they didn't have to. Or I look back, I'm like, why would people invest so much time into me? And, and they have their own families and it's like love. Like I really love these guys. And yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know what, what was your main question so I can answer that. No, I was just um, you. Any regrets? You know, like oh, um, okay, yeah, you went back. So, so this whole thing happens, right? And I think Josh Paul, he, he had a pocket, and he says like I was the worst catcher he had ever seen, and that's like very true. I sucked. <laughs> like I was awful and terrible. And I think uh, <laughs> we got. I think the first year we got a ton of Mizuno stuff. You remember this? Yeah. And it was like Mizuno sent us all this stuff, and Bob. I remember saying. Why'd Mizuno send you all that stuff? Like you have to be good to get stuff like that. And I was just like, you're right. Like I don't, I don't know why, but and so they instilled, they broke it down to like, okay, you suck right now, but like let's, you already have the attitude, you're gonna turn you into the best catcher ever. Like seriously, and I say that very honestly. And um, you start going through the minor leagues and uh, go to Charleston, and my receiving numbers like like start going up, and then like I still lead the league in pass balls that year. Like, and it's like this constant work of like dedicating my time with these guys and them dedicating the time. And then you look back now and it's like a kid that started catching gets invited to the Arizona Fall League. And I think, yeah, like, I don't, it's, this isn't about time myself, but all the work, it really paid off. I think last year we finished like top two in all of professional baseball from low A to triple A and receiving. Uh, and awesome. that is a huge credit to those guys. And, and yourself, man. But, just giving me all their information, their time, and myself. Yeah, I, I, but those guys really helped. And is there a regret? There's not. Uh, I, I there's really not. Uh, I've I love catching. I love it. There's a really there's like a an art to it. It's so much more than just catching baseball. There's a lot of things that come into getting to know people and relationships. But uh, it was it's like, been a. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah. Um, and what's it like, you know, obviously making the move from third base to catcher and when you're on that field, you're in charge of, you know, you're the, you're the captain, uh, of the yeah. diamond. And how does that, you know, I know the Yankees, you know, in, uh, instructs and captain's camp has looked to you 
to be, you know, a, a leader to other uh, players? And, you know, is that something you uh, want to, that you gravitate to or shy away from? No, I love it. I love it. Like catching dry is the only position that you're the only position on the field. Everyone's staring at you. Like you're the only one. So everyone's looking at you. Um, and no, I'm, I'm very, uh, it's an honor. I mean, yeah, the Yankees get like, I want to be the leader. Right. And you don't have to be a leader by being a loud guy, but I think you'd be a leader by like how much you work, like how, how, how much you care about people. Like if there's a true, I care about, like, I care about the guys that I catch and I care about, because if I do well, they do well. If they do well, I do well. Like it's both of our careers going up, you know, and you, you care about these guys and you care about also if you're, if I'm an unprepared person and I don't take this serious and I call bad games, these people can get their careers ended and get their yeah. careers cut short. So it's bigger than you. It's, it, it, and I have nothing but thanks to give to the Yankees for doing this move uh, and how they've looked at me as like a leader and how they looked at me as, you know, um, someone that can help people and i think they know because my background and but you know uh it's been an honor it's been fun so uh, it's no secret you know uh the the yankees have had some challenges you know behind the plate and uh and gary's had some you know challenges he's been heavily scrutinized and um the Yankees have a very, you know, robust farm system. So, you know, uh, talk to me how you, you know, we all have, no matter what walk of life, no matter what profession, there are going to be obstacles that come in your way. And how have you, um, you know, how have you coped with it? And how have you been able to, you know, continuing to you know put in the time to do what you need to do and be patient at the same time i i so this year and i say this every year is probably the hardest no it is the hardest i've ever worked i say this every year but this is the hardest off season i've dedicated my time to and again all i can say on that is I'm ready to go whenever the opportunity is presented to me. Um, I have to, like, Donnie Sands can control what Donnie Sands does. I can't control the moves that are made. I can't control who gets picked. But, and I, I don't put energy towards that anymore. I used to. Like, I used to put, you know, well, why not this? Why? But I can't. That's a negative space in my head. And I love I'm just feeling I have to create. Whenever the opportunity, and the opportunity will present itself, I will I be ready it. to go. And, uh, that that's that's all I can do. I just worry about myself, and not get caught up in all the stupid stuff. And um, it's I'm just ready to go whenever whenever it is. If COVID lasts another year, if COVID lasts another two years, I'll be ready to go. Uh, whenever this opportunity is ready. Let's talk about that. How as uh, so, a lot of um, professional athletes, especially baseball players, you know, have been. We've all been extremely affected by the pandemic, and. Um, both professionally and personally. People are spending a lot of time with, you know, loved ones, significant others that they ordinarily wouldn't be, whether they're going to an office and sitting at a desk job versus going and being with a professional baseball team. And how has it 
impacted you personally? And also how has it impacted baseball? Major impact. You know, there are hundreds of ball players, and with the, you know, the minor leagues contracting, this has been a long time in the making with Major League Baseball. And the pandemic kind of shoehorned in, you know, for teams to do what they've been trying to do for a long time. So if you can kind of break it down, I know there's a lot to unpack in that question. You know, personally, how has it impacted you? And, you know, we're looking at there were no minor leagues last year. Now, you know, Baseball Players Association just put out a statement that, you know, spring training may be delayed. Um, how has this pandemic impacted you both personally and professionally? So number, yeah, number one, we're all going through this, right? It's not just me. So it's not just me. You know, you have the excuse of, well, I code, I'm not playing. Well, everyone's not playing. Uh, right. But personally, I've got to spend more time with my mom than I have in the past six years. I got to be home for my birthday. I never, I hadn't been home for my birthday in, in six six years. I hadn't seen my mom. I I got to spend a whole, pretty much a whole year with my mom. Um, I got to spend time with people I had, like, see for, like, two months. And I'm taking the positives out of this because at the start of COVID, I was like, a very um, upset, probably negative person to the point that it was just like, oh, why this, why that? And it was just stupid. And I'm really, uh, negative space in my head gets, for me personally, I can't have it, right? So um, it's just the positive things, you know? I got to spend a lot of time with people. I met a, a it's fine. I don't think things happen to coincidence. I think happens, like I've met a lot of amazing people during this thing, during this, uh, a lot of people that I've gotten like interacted with close to even people, I'm in California right now, people from back home, people to, um, here in California, there's been challenges as you know, along the way. Um, but there's been a lot of growth. I think a lot of growth that if the season was here, it wouldn't have happened. And a lot of maturity that I had to go through, um, a lot of changing and a lot of stuff that when you're in a baseball season, you push it down because you don't have time to deal with stuff like that. You don't have time to deal with um, problems, so personal problems, or you deal with uh, anything um, that's bugging you. And a lot of, like, let's just say, as you say, like the demons or the stuff you've been dealing with for a long time or stuff that ate you up comes back up and it, uh, it, it gets time because they know when to come back up to present themselves. And this was the year to, like, deal with them. You know, it was a... It was a, it was a it was a very beautiful thing. It's, uh, it was very hard at the moment, but it was a really uh, amazing thing to be able to deal with it and fix a lot of the things. Um, I was able to fix a lot of relationships, you know, personal, family, a lot of stuff that really now, not for me, but benefits both of us. And like, I've been longing that for a long time, you know, um, but you That's just really don't have time point. to. And then, yeah, I, I got, you know, um, you get time to sit back a little and just say, like, what's important in your life? You know, uh, you see all this COVID, a lot of people, like, we play baseball, we're blessed. A lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people lost a lot of people. And, like, a lot of people are in hospitals right now. And uh, you really see what's important, what can be taken away really fast again. You get that check again of, like, yo, you know, some stuff isn't that important. Um, and you're still, like, healthy. You're still... So it was a blessed year. I don't know why things happened, but I look at it as like it was a very blessed year. I got to spend a lot of time with my mom. 
Um, and that was awesome. I got to spend a lot of time with a little bro. Like I, my bro, like I literally would seem like a month out of here. Right. I'll tell my mother cousin Emmett, my, like just a lot of interaction, a lot. I got to focus on myself, uh, really being, being alone too. I think you learn a lot being alone and not being around a lot of people. You learn a lot about yourself and you start figuring stuff out. And it's good to be alone for a period of time. It's good to be alone. Let the mind kind of calm down and say, okay, let's fix some stuff out. So I think I'm going to be a lot better once this gets going. I know I will. It's not that I think that it's going to be a lot more secure, a lot more not having to put up, let's just say kind of the tough guy. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, no, it's just, it is who you are and like you, you go forward, but you're okay with it now. You don't have to like hate yourself with things anymore. Um, and so that was the beauty of it. Professionally wise, um, I got to prepare like an animal this off season. I've really dedicated my full time to full preparation of baseball, eating, lifting, sleeping, baseball. It's like been a constant nonstop chase. And that's why I've talked to my mentors like Josh Paul and Fago and they're like, whenever it's ready you will be ready that's that and i don't want that feeling of like a lot of people uh took this time off and were like relaxing enjoying and uh i didn't want to be like that i wanted to be like whenever if it's a year if it's three years i no one knows when this is going to get going i need to be ready so that that helped me and i focused on that and now i just enjoy every day and i get after and it's it's not and stuff happens when it happens you know i don't worry about it I love it. Um, any uh, any wisdom to share to that little ten year old boy or girl who you know um, on the playground? Yeah, if I will, I, I think of myself back at that age. If I'll say this, if you if you really have um to people listening if you really have something you care about really care about um even if it's for yourself for someone else if you really care about accomplishing it go for it like a thousand percent and no matter your situation so if you're homeless if you have a single mom a single dad if stuff that's not going right go for it and also like where you are right now the situation you are at number one does not define you does not define that you're a bad person or because you're poor or because you're close don't smell fresh and clean all the time that people laugh at you like that go for it full speed and if you really dedicate it like life ends up working out uh you know and just put your full intent into that and i look back to myself now and it was like wow, you know, all that stuff was worth it, all the long nights, and it makes you a better person. You need to struggle a little. People, you need to get stuff taken away from you every once in a while to say, like, yo, you can drop ego. I used to have a huge ego of, like, no, it's it's a bit, and, like, stuff gets taken away from you, and you just learn to be present. But, yeah, chase after it. Like, I know people say it all the time, but there's no secret. People ask me all the time, like, well, it's, it's, like, not a secret. It's just, like, Put your head down. If, if you care about it, you're going to go after it. If, if it doesn't matter that much to you, then it shows. But, like, go after it and just have faith and, and just really put your first step forward and don't take the excuse of anything in life, whatever situation. Like, I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish because of this or because of that. Or, like, you know, I, I like – I always see this, and it's kind of corny, but I like it. Uh, it's like a saying. It's like 
a lot of people took your situation and won, like, and they mm -hmm. accomplished it. So like there's, everyone has the situation, like people either do get it or don't like, but a lot of people have. So like, why can't you, you know, like yeah, uh, it's crazy. people have all the success and uh, yeah, you know, because people have accomplished it. Um, but yeah, for all, yeah, all the people, I know I talked to a lot of people down in Mexico and all the kids in Tucson and the South side of Tucson that kind of grew up in the same, like, you know, Mexican community, old, you know, poor, like, I'm very connected and love, like, very emotional about those people, and, like, uh, yo, keep pushing, and, like, you know, you can set up your family for a really long time, you can do some cool things, you know, and just awesome. keep pushing, if I, you know, I'm from, yeah. Um, so, I just want to pivot for a second, um, and... So as you know, I'm a big sneaker guy. Um, so I ask at the uh, <laughs> towards the end uh, of all my podcasts, um, what's your favorite sneaker? Sneaker that I have, or just sneaker in general? What's your favorite sneaker? You can answer the question. Apparently, I found the question. We've been talking about some really heavy stuff, and now we finally. Uh, we stumped you on the sneaker question. Uh, well, you know, I you know what I like. You've given me a few pairs, uh, gifted me the, like the Jordan One, the highs, the the retros. Mm -hmm. I huge on those. I know I I have the the Jordan the the collab they did with Dior. I have some of those, and I love those. I didn't um, know you had that. Wow, interesting. I was supposed to say that. Sorry. Yeah, so good. Um, <laughs> I have those. I have uh, um. Well, I, yeah, I, I love, as you know, I love Jordan and Nike and, and all, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It's comfortable for me, but I like, you can, yeah, right. let the Jordan, the retros. I'm with you, man. Well, listen, I love you, man. You, uh, I respect you and admire you immensely. I am so proud of everything you've done. And, um, there's so much more we need to do together and we will do together. It's not if it's when, man. And exactly. um, I uh, look forward to you coming back on here and sharing more amazing experiences. Uh, you have a lot to be proud of and just keep on being, you know, the beast that you are. I love you, man. Thank you, bro. I love you too. And thanks for, you know, everything you've done. Uh, it's been a long road, short, long road. And, uh, you know, exactly. I'm excited for a lot more, bro, but thank you. And, Thanks to all the people who are going to listen to this and for all, you know, for, for everyone listening to this, you know, just keep going. And, uh, you know, that's about it. Just, just keep pushing forward. There are better days ahead. Amen. Well, next time uh, you're on here uh, in a big league Jersey, bro. Exactly, bro. Thanks for having me. All right. Later, man.